Today's podcast is our Hall of Fame episode. We're going to be breaking down the Hall of Fame ballots, how we would vote, what we would change, and just a little uh, little talking baseball today. Here and all that and more coming up next. Welcome into the Fumbling Punter Podcast. I'm your host, Devin Keeney, and joining us today, live in studio, Lucas Jones. Lucas, what's up, man? Oh, not much. Just uh, I'm ready to jump in on this baseball podcast. After uh, uh, last week, we covered a lot of college football, so hopefully we can get some baseball in today. Yeah, more specifically, we're going to try to do, talk about the Hall of Fame uh, ballot this year and maybe some of our thoughts on the Hall of Fame. We basically have ripped on the Hall of Fame every year for like 10 years plus now. Almost as long as I can remember. Basically, since things started getting, when some of the guys that were ending their careers when we were, um, you know, in our youth and teenage years, when we really got into baseball. We was in about junior high, actually, when me and Devin... You know, this was before cell phones, and we had to call each other's parents' house houses to just talk baseball and hypothetical. I mean, this is something we've been doing for 15 years, so it's nothing new um, on our part. But I think probably when McGuire was first eligible is when we really started dogging really hard on the Hall of Fame and and or in the writers specifically. Yeah. Um, but the Hall of Fame itself has some issues now that's came out in the last three or four years. So. Uh, you know, if you got a problem with some of the writers or the Hall of Fame, then this is probably going to be a podcast for you. Yeah, and I don't think that either of us subscribe to the elitist mentality that a lot of voters currently or have had in the last 10 years. There are racists, there are drunks, there are guys that use greenies, amphetamines. Cocaine. Uh, cocaine, everything in the Hall of Fame. And suddenly this generation of baseball writers has decided to draw the line at who should and shouldn't be in uh, you know there were some guys that were even i think Schilling kind of got blackballed a little bit for his personal stance last year Yeah, his political stuff hurt him last year but i think like a lot of guys i think they was giving him like a one-year punishment i think his ballots uh will go up this year and he may even make it um, but as of right now, with the ballots that uh, Ryan Thibodeau on Twitter keeps track of, uh, ballots that have been made public or that writers have sent to him, and Chilling right now is at like 60%, but that's only on like 20 ballots he's got. Now, let me go ahead and say I think all Hall of Fame ballots should be made public because if you're so spineless that you can't post your Hall of Fame ballot and explain why you voted for certain guys and why you left certain guys off, you shouldn't have a vote. And if you're being a prick and not voting for anybody, you should lose your vote. Which happened last year, I think. And, see, the baseball writers, they actually voted to make all the ballots public. But now the Hall of Fame committee came out and said, well, we're not, you don't really have to. So now they're kind of fighting back and forth a little bit. Um, you know, and, and going back to, they're acting like they're the judge jury and executioner and all this there's literally no checks and balances for the writers other than the hall of fame and the hall of fame is even you know joe morgan sent his letter out asking for uh steroid users not to be in even though there already is steroid users in the hall of fame um so if there's one what's wrong with the others like we said there's all sorts of people in there this isn't a good people hall of fame 
It is a baseball museum and memorial to tell the history of the game. The steroid era was a real era in baseball. And, you know, I always compare it to, and people like, well, in today, you know, people throw around the Hitler comparison a lot for a bunch of different things. But if you were to make a world history museum of the 20th century, you don't leave Adolf Hitler out of it because he was the worst human in history. You have to put him in there because he defined, you know, a decade of of world history and yeah. his trying to conquer the world and exterminate Jews. So, you know, you don't leave him out just like you're not you, you shouldn't leave Barry Bonds and Clemens out when you're telling the history of baseball. And I think I'm going to speak for both of us on the podcast that we're not comparing Barry Bonds or Roger Clemens to Adolf Hitler. Nothing, <laughs> no one or anything compares to Hitler. But that is a very good, no, yeah. but that is a very good, um, you know, an, an analogy or a comparison uh, of what you want your history to be. I want to see everything. I want, you know, if I have great, great grandchildren, I want them to be able to go to the Hall of Fame and be like, oh, Sammy Sosa. Yep. He had, he's the only player in history to hit 60 home runs in three different seasons. And my great-grandfather, uh, that's who he watched when he got into baseball. And that's who his favorite player was for several years. Like, who yeah. else is going to remember any of that? I don't go back. I mean, sometimes I go back and look at stats, but I don't go back and read, like, what happened in 1920. Like, I know a lot about baseball. I've studied it. But, you know, 60 years from now, how many people is going to look back and just see, oh, well, why ain't this guy in the Hall of Fame? He's the only guy to hit 60 home runs in three different seasons. Mm-hmm. We shouldn't have to answer that or worry that about that hypothetical. Okay, so one more issue that I want to take up is the 10-vote limit. I think that because they, they at least need to have a one-year exemption on the 10-vote limit. Once maybe we get some different writer, writers voting, once we get eligible to Some of the start younger voting. ones are, that are getting eligible are voting yeah. for the... Guys that have been, you know, quote unquote, tainted. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the ten, the ten vote thing. I'm with you there, because there's going to be, you know, I got a list here, and and I'm pretty, you know, this is the only time you hear me say this. I'm pretty liberal on letting guys into the <laughs> baseball Hall of Fame. I got 16 or 17 guys here that, for me, if they got in the Hall of Fame, would make sense to me. Well, there's guys that should have been in on the first ballot in years that nobody made it or one person made it, and that's led us to be where we are now, where there are 15 or 16 guys that deserve to be in the Hall of Fame. And, you know, I think you got to, you really almost have to vote on who you want to keep on the ballot, and it's kind of killing some guys. Oh, it is hurting several guys. Some guys may fall off the ballot and not get a chance to dig deeper into their, their candidacy. And I think that's a travesty, but the base, the Hall of Fame is not concerned about that. The writers are. The writers, from my understanding, hate it. They think it should just be a yes-no ballot sent on, yeah, sent I agree. on who's ever eligible. But the Hall of Fame doesn't want to change it because they want to keep it exclusive as much as they can. And now the Hall of Fame has a, they have a vendetta. It's on paper now. Joe Morgan's like the president of the committee of the Hall of Fame or whatever. And so it's on paper now that they are actively trying to keep certain players out of the Hall of Fame. So in this year's class, uh, in the on the list, you have the best hitter of all time in Barry Bonds, the best pitcher of all time in Roger Clemens. I'm going to make that argument. but uh, You can make an argument for both, but even if, and there'll be, there's going to be people out here that listen to this that's going to nitpick it. 
So, but they're both top five in yeah. any which way you want to splice it. They are both at least the top five in their respective uh, categories. Trevor Hoffman, possibly the second best closer of all time. Uh, Edgar Martinez, probably the second best DH up to this point. And then you have a guy who hit 600 home runs, Jim Tomey. You have a guy who won three World Series titles in Kurt Schilling. Uh Two and Schilling's MVPs also one least. of the best postseason pitchers of all time. Yeah, absolutely. And then you have at least two MVPs. Uh, I haven't gone all the way down through the list, but on on mine, Chipper was the '99 NL MVP, switch hitter, and 400 home runs. Larry Walker was a '97 NL MVP, and so you, it, it's not fair to put it at hey, ten this Manny year. Ramirez has over 500 home runs. Yeah, Sheffield's got over yeah. 500 home runs. Manny also batted over 300 for his career. Yeah. Vladimir Guerrero, he could hit anything. He batted over 300 for his career. This is a stacked ballot. Absolutely it is. So, assuming that we have to stick to the rule of 10, Lucas, who are your 10 this year? I got Barry Bonds, Roger Clemens, Chipper Jones, Kurt Schilling, Edgar Martinez, Jim Tomey, Vladimir Guerrero, Manny Ramirez, Fred McGriff, and Sammy Sosa. And Sosa should already have been in, in my opinion. Fred McGriff should already have been in, in my opinion. I'm voting for them, you know, if I had an actual vote. But in our hypothetical vote with the rules that were given, uh, Sosa and Sosa, Chipper, and Manny have my votes to try to keep them on the ballot because they are in danger of falling off. Yeah. Uh, so on mine, our ballots were a lot alike. I had also, and I had some notes here on some guys. Uh, I'm going to start at the top. Trevor Hoffman, I think he gets in this year, uh, 601 career save, second all time. Uh, we both had Vladdy, 318 career batting average, well, and was and the 2004 AL MVP. To, to speak back on Hoffman, he needs to get in soon because when Manny hits the ballot, he's going to lose his vote to Man or Mariano. Mariano yeah. When Mariano gets on the ballot, he may start losing votes to him. But right now, Hoffman's the best closer that's ever been on the ballot. So yeah, I mean, I, I'm for him getting in. He wasn't on my list, but that was because I, you know, he's already pretty close to the number. I'm trying to save someone else. Yeah, and uh, so I have Hoffman, Vladdy, Edgar, who this is his ninth year on the ballot, and I think that there have been some people making some good pushes for Edgar, and I really hope that he gets it this year. Yeah, uh, Ryan Spader's make he had an article today in the Sporting News. Um, he gets paid per click, so look up his Twitter and read it, and he's donating all of his pay to Puerto Rico Wow. Um, to help them on their hurricane. And uh, the thing I want to say about Edgar is – Sometimes I hear this argument, well, he's just DH. He didn't play any defense, so he doesn't, you know, so why he just gets to hit. Well, let me tell you something. The DH was a American League creation. The league invented that position yep. solely for the purpose to have a hitter that doesn't have to play the field. If Major League Baseball sanctions a position, it should be eligible with no strings attached to the Hall of Fame. Absolutely. Now, people can use the same thing on closers. Well, they come a dime a dozen in relief pitchers. Okay, but closer closers are not in an official Major League Baseball position. That's just what we call someone who usually comes in for the ninth inning. The DH is an official lineup position. Yeah, I, I completely agree. Uh, yeah, definitely go follow uh, Ryan Spader, and he always has good stuff around this time of year talking about guys who deserve to get in the Hall of Fame. Uh I'm going to keep going on my list here. 
Clemens and Bonds, who, like I said, top five hitter and pitcher of all time. Kurt Schilling we both had, 79.9 career war, 1-1-3-7 whip, uh, three-time World Series champ, 216 career wins. And there was something that Ryan had uh, tweeted out a while back about Kurt Schilling. It was all the guys who he his career whip was lower than. And uh, whip, if you guys aren't huge on baseball stats, uh, walks plus hits over inning divided by innings pitched. Uh, pretty good, pretty good number for a long career that Kurt Schilling had. Uh, then I have my guy uh, who got some good Colorado Rocky interaction with. Uh, Larry Walker, he was your 1997 NL MVP, a 72.6 career war, uh, career thir- 313 hitter, uh, 965 career OPS, uh, three-time batting champion. I-, I love Larry Walker. I let's Let me just – I've always been kind of borderline on him, but I've seen some stats and guys with, like, career war have outfielders or something, and he's in, like – him and Bond are only two top 25 guys that are not – in the Hall of Fame. Wow. So I'm for Larry Walker. Again, he'd be on my ballot if I could put everybody I wanted to in. And and something I want to – another thing I want to clarify, in my opinion, you hear a lot of, well, he played a lot of years in Colorado. That helped his numbers. Okay, we get that. Like when you're looking at someone's value um, per season, like if you want to sign them, yeah, it helps look at the road home splits. But I'm not going to dog someone that played in a park – that MLB baseball let be built. <laughs> okay? I don't think I'm going to hold that against him, just like I'm not going to hold DH against anybody. The numbers are the numbers. Now, you know, you look at someone with severe home home and road splits when you want to sign them for the year to see, you know, okay, yeah, take that into consideration. Yeah. But as a whole, it don't matter where you played. Yeah, and uh, moving on, I have the crime dog, Fred McGriff, 493 career home runs. Sadly, he couldn't get to 500. Then I have Jim Tomey, uh, first year on the ballot, 612 career home runs. Now, the moment that I realized that Skip Bayless was an idiot that just talked out of his ass was when he said that he didn't believe Jim Tomey. I was literally about to bring this up <laughs> because I was going to ask you if you remember like five years ago when yep. he retired. Me and Devin was sitting at home watching First Take or whatever the show was he was on at the time. Yep. And he said, no, he's not a Hall of Famer in my opinion. Well, here's a guy that's never been connected to steroids. Here's a guy that hit over 600 home runs. How? How yeah, is he what? not? How, what are you keeping him out based on? Based on the fact that Skip Bayless just says dumb stuff for clicks and reads. Well, and... he had two pissed off people that day. I can guarantee you that. But, I mean, basically after he said that, I didn't take anything he's ever said since then seriously. I'm like, no, oh, this guy's just... We used to kind of watch him and listen yeah. and agree, but... He's clearly you know, just it, here for the shock point, factor. Yeah. But uh, my last guy I voted for was Chipper. Uh, his first year on the ballot, uh, 300 career hitter, 85 war, 2,700 hits, 1999 National League MVP. I think that Chipper hopefully will be a first ballot guy. You know, he was whole career in Atlanta, uh, you know, kind of like Barry Larkin, love those guys that play their whole career in one place. It's, uh, I mean, it's typically just, fortune for them and the club. I just want to say that he should have, I just want to say that he should be unanimous. Not going to happen. And I already know at least one guy that didn't vote for him or one guy that if he had a vote wouldn't, or Ortiz who writes for the St. Louis Post-Dispatch. Yeah. Uh, he said Chipper Jones was racist, so he wouldn't get a vote, at least from him this year or something because Chipper Jones supports the wall or something that Donald Trump wants to build. Again. And that stuff just 
that irritates the hell out of me because we're looking at baseball here. That's the only thing that should be factored in is baseball, not political beliefs or um, personal agenda or guys that weren't friendly with the media that they're taking it back out on him. Um, so I, I think that's stupid. I mean, he's clearly getting in. He'll probably have 98% of the vote. Yeah. But he won't be unanimous like, and there's several guys that should have been unanimous in the past. Oh, yeah. Like, who's the three people that didn't vote for Griffey? Now, if they come out and they say, look, I didn't vote for him because the Hall of Fame won't let us vote up and down ballot, and I'm trying yep. to keep guys that I feel like are Hall of Famers on, they kind of get a pass on that. But if you come out and say you're not voting for someone for any other reason than yep. that, then I really don't have no respect for your ballot. Yeah, absolutely. And the five guys that I would vote for, uh, if we could expand, I probably would vote for like 17 if we could. But the five that caught my eye were Slammin' Sammy, Manny Ramirez, Scott Rowland, Omar Vizquel, and Mike Mussina. It's kind of sad to me that Mussina's getting passed over again. I mean, he was on my ballot because I felt pretty strongly about everybody I voted for. But there's a guy, again, that, you know, this time last year... uh, if you guys really want to go dig deep on the fumblingpunter.com, I have somewhere a Scott Rowland uh, piece that I did on how he should be in the Hall of Fame. He got left off. I believe I mentioned Mike Mucina in that same piece, who I'm having to leave off of my own fake ballot here. And Mucina really deserves to get in, and I think it'll happen, but I think there's some there's a pretty big log jam in front of him. Yeah, there is, and... He does deserve to be in. He's got a you know a good war that fits. He pitched his whole career in the American League East, which has almost always been a very tough division to pitch in with power hitters and intense rivalries and stuff like that because uh, he pitched for the Orioles and the Yankees. So he, he deserves to be in. It's probably not coming this year. If they can get five or six guys in this year like they should, you know, honestly, they should get about nine or ten in. But, uh, you know, if they get in what they should, then he's got a pretty good chance for next year or the year after. Because yeah. I don't think there's a lot of starting pitchers coming up in the next few years that are going to get a bunch of votes. You know, R- Rivera, not a starting pitcher, but he's going to get in. Mm-hmm. Roy Holiday's probably going to get in. But after them two guys, I don't know if there's anyone else coming up anytime soon as starting pitching-wise because we pretty much got, you know, we got Johnson Smoke. Glavin, Maddox, Pedro, them guys are in. Yeah. You know, Clemens should be getting in at some point. So, um, yeah, Messina has a good chance of getting in, and that's why I left him off my ballot this year because I'm trying to save some guys that are in danger of falling off. So, someone who is on is first-year eligible on the ballot this year that I would kind of like to see get in the Hall of Fame just based on longevity is Jamie Moyer. Jamie <laughs> Moyer pitched forever. Uh, 269 career wins, 50.4 career war. I did think that his ERA was like 435, so it his wasn't. His war is probably a tad low for a starting pitcher, but, I mean, he's got the wins, um, you know. Just longevity, it's longevity man. longevity is what done it because we'll be saying the same thing about Bartolo and oh, yes. seven years probably. Yes. He's probably got another year or two left in him. So, you know, but it would be cool to see him get in. Okay, so two more baseball notes that we want to hit on. Uh, let's go ahead with Stanton. It sounds like that uh, – uh, I don't remember who said it last night, but that St. Louis and San Francisco both have offers on the table to the Giants, and, of course, the holdup right now is on Stanton. 
So, Lucas, what are your thoughts? Well, the framework's in place for both trades because they had to have a framework in place before MLB Baseball would let Marlin, uh, with Stanton and his representatives meet with these teams, and he met with them over the weekend. Um, the reports say it's not clear if he would accept a trade to either team or decline either team or one or the other. Um, and there's other reports out there saying that the Giant, that the Cardinals actually would pay paying more money down to the Marlins than the Giants. Again, we don't know if that's true because a week ago the reports was conflicting. Uh, Craig Mish, a writer out of South Florida, says that a trade would be done in two or three days. John Heyman and some other guys are saying that that's not the case because it's so complicated it's going to take longer. Um, I personally think Stanton is going to wait until he gets 100% confirmation from L.A. if they're going to take him or not. There's a lot of guys saying that they don't want the luxury tax and all that stuff, but Stanton wants to go there. That's the only place he wants to be. If he goes anywhere else, I'm not feeling good about it. Like, yeah, he's 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 a professional. He's going to show up and play, but hell, he's probably going to opt out and try to go to L.A. when they have more money off the books. On the flip side of all of that, whoever gets Stanton is going to be better, but the thing is, it is going to be complicated because he doesn't want to go anywhere but L.A., so he has to make a decision. It's not. I don't think it's going to happen soon. And honestly, last night I was tweeting about it, and I think he may wait and see where Otani goes. Because if the Giants happen to get Otani, that makes him a little bit more appealing to him. Because they did say Stanton kind of has some reservations about can the Giants improve on their 68-win season. I think they do. BFib Twitter does not. They just act <laughs> like the Giants or the new Cleveland Browns of the MLB. I disagree. Mad Bum missed about two months or so. Um, Cueto was banged up all year. Uh, Shark had a pretty good year. Some of the hitters were pretty awful. Didn't have very good years. But, you know, you look at the road. If they get Otani, you got a rotation of Mad Bum, Otani, Cueto, and Shark, plus Matt Moore or whoever else yeah. that may be the fifth pitcher. I mean, that's a pretty stout rotation. Stanton and Otani probably combine, you know, and this is being conservative on Otani's home runs number. Let's say he hits. 15 home runs add that on to stanton's probably 55 uh you know that's 70 more home runs on an outfield that was last in home runs yeah i think that improves that team a lot now they are in a tough division they are in a tough division but so are the cardinals the cardinals do have some they have some nice young talent depending on what kind of young talent they have to send off to yeah um to miami but the Cardinals are also in a tough division too. It's not like it. It's not like Stanton going there is going to make them the favorite over the Cubs or even the Brewers for that matter. The Pirates are, you know, they're due for a good season. You know. Yeah, I. I don't think that LA is going to be out of it until Stanton is wearing, as at the press conference, wearing either a Giants or a Cardinals jersey. And, and the other thing with Otani is the Dodgers want Otani too. The thing with the Dodgers not wanting to spend a bunch of money on Stanton is because they feel like they probably need to go get another starter because you Darvish is a free agent. So if they can bring in Otani, who is a starter for three hundred thousand or for the league minimum of like seven hundred thousand a year, then they don't have to go out and spend twenty million on another starter. So then they might feel more comfortable getting Stanton, knowing that Otani's gonna plug a rotation hole behind Kershaw. I think that the Otani I mean this is just me from reading, looking just my 
my little bit of baseball knowledge, I think it's between San Francisco and Seattle. I think that both of those cities make sense. They're everything you want in their West Coast. Uh, there are, you know, there's a significant Asian population in both cities. Uh, we've pointed out both on Twitter and on here, uh, maybe it wasn't on here, maybe it was just in one of our talks, that the Mariners are owned by Nintendo, a Japanese corporation. Uh, you saw Ichiro had a lot of success in Seattle. Uh, he gives him the ability to DH the day after he pitches. So, you know, I mean, I don't think you want a guy that you really want to be a top of the line, ro- a top of the rotation guy, starting in right field the day after he pitches. And that could just be me. But another thing with the Dodgers, where are they going to play him to get him 400 plate appearances? That's something I that know. I think that... I think the Dodgers, I mean, they'd find a spot for him. I mean, the Dodgers, you know, realistically, if they make a trade with the Marlins, they could beat the Cardinals trade. Yeah. Whatever the Cardinals want to do because they can throw in Jock, who has four years of control. Yeah. And... They can, you know, so that clears up kind of another outfield spot. They could always flip Puig to somebody else, or they could flip Chris Taylor, um, Kiki Hernandez. Not worried about that. He's kind of a fourth outfielder type anyways. Uh, They have, I mean, the Dodgers don't need Stanton, but everybody could use Stanton. And, you know... I on the and back to Otani. I'd love to. I would love to be able to sit in on the seven teams that have a chance at him and oh, listen yeah. to their pitch because you know who the Dodgers might say, and, and you know this is something they probably you know they're not going to air this out in public because I don't even know if it's legal to do, but they might say sign with us and we'll go get Stanton because the Dodgers know they can go get Stanton. Yeah. They might say if we get you because of what we're going to have to pay you, we can afford to go get Stanton now, and then the Dodge you know. So I think they could make a place for him because Gonzalez is gone. He may be on the team, but he ain't going to make the opening day roster. Bellinger's their everyday first baseman yeah. now. And, you know, Gonzalez, you know, they could clear up some money. They could clear up a spot for Otani and Stanton. Um, the DH thing, that makes sense. But only three American League teams are in his final seven, so Otani's not worried about it. Four of the teams are from the National League. Seattle, who are his other two? Uh, Seattle, the Angels, and the, the Rangers. Rangers. Uh, and then on the ooh. National League side, it's the Dodgers, Giants, Padres, who John Heyman says is the favorite right now. Huh. And then the, the Cubs, with the Cubs and Rangers being the only non-West Coast teams um, in it, which I think, you know, honestly, I'm not going to put anything past Theo. I mean, I don't think the Cubs are the favorite. I'd say they're probably the third or fourth favorite. But the Cubs are kind of set up to win for another four or five years. Um, Joe Madden would be the perfect like perfect manager for Otani. He's 23. Joe Madden has the most experience in baseball of getting guys playing times that don't have a set starting yeah. position. Um, so I think it's possible you go to the Cubs. And I'm being a little bit of a homer here. But I've said all postseason. If the Cubs, the only thing the Cubs did was get Otani this post this off season, I'd be happy. Yeah, I just I don't know. I think that I think that San Francisco and Seattle both make too much sense. San Diego could be interesting, uh, but does he want to win in the next three four years? San Diego had some good young that. talent, but I think they're probably 2019 from competing. But again, that's such a stacked division. But they got Will Myers signed longer term now. 
Otani's not going to cost them a damn thing. Yeah. They're supposed to, supposedly in the running for Hosmer that they would move Myers back to the outfield. Um, they got Manuel Margot, who's good. Hunter Renfro's pretty good. Yeah. They got they got uh, Fernando Tatis Jr. Yeah. Who's supposed to, he's one of the top minor league guys. He's a stud. Um, the Padres have a very very deep system. Don't yeah. I mean they're not going to compete next year, but they're getting pretty darn close. Um, but there's a lot of other factors. You know, go look up John Heyman on FanRagSports.com. Um, he is probably the most connected writer out there, I would say. Um, and, I, you know, I really don't... I, I read him just for his baseball stuff. His other stuff on Twitter I don't care about. But he, you know, he's got about seven reasons there why the Padres may be the favorite. Um, I, don't, I think that would be unexciting if Otani went to the Padres, though. Like, here's the guy that's supposed to be the next the Japanese Babe Ruth. I would want to see him somewhere that's going to compete immediately and that's going to get national playing time. You don't see the Padres. And, you know, maybe the Padres do get a little more national exposure yeah. with Otani. But if he went to Chicago or the Dodgers. The Giants. Or the Giants. He's going to be on national TV. He's going to be on Sunday Night Baseball at least three times. Yeah. Plus a whole slew of other MLB and MLB Network and ESPN um, primetime games. Yeah, so... I, Lucas, I think that's all all I got today. I think we're kind of at a good time. Uh, do you have anything you want to get off here with? Go Cubs. <laughs> of course. Of course. Oh. In future Cub, Bryce Harper, 2019. <laughs> Couldn't get off here that, with that without saying that. So uh, I'm going to dig into getting us membership to the baseball writer association of America. I got, I started on that the other day. It's a, it's apparently quite the thing. So, but if you guys all listen, share this podcast, share fumbling punter, fumbling punter.com with all your friends, everybody, you know, that likes baseball, then eventually we'll get to, uh, where they have to accept us into the BBWAA, right? Yeah. And we will vote for the correct guys. Absolutely, we will. So that's all we got for today. Uh, For Lucas Jones, I'm Devin Keeney. Have a good day, everybody.